0: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Today, I'm talking with my new friend Monique Rhodes. Monique is a happiness strategist who teaches students and corporations around the world how to master their lives and be happier. She spent the last 25 years studying the mind and its relationship to happiness and suffering. Over 70 universities and colleges use her program, the 10-Minute Mind, including all public schools in New York City. She's done projects with spiritual teachers like Eckhart Tolle and the Dalai Lama, and was nominated for the prestigious New Zealander of the Year Award in 2010. You're not going to want to miss this one. We're going to dig into the big lie causing depression and anxiety in the world today, how to train your mind to focus more on the positivity, what meditation is and how to get started with it. And the big secret to be happier, be a better communicator and be less stressed in life. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. All of our for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there. If you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com and grab your copy of the number one bestseller shit you don't learn in college available now. Hey friends, how's it going? Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm here with my new friend Monique Rhodes. Monique, welcome to the show. Thanks, Xander. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited
1: to talk to you today.
0: I'm I'm really excited to dig into you because you know we uh, at Shit You Don't Learn in College we talk about a lot of different stuff. We talk about we talk about making money. We talk about fulfillment. We talk about freedom. Uh, But in the end, all of these things kind of lead, you know, it's like all paths lead to one place, which is, you know, finding joy and happiness in life, right? So uh, I'm excited to dig into what you have to talk about as being, you know, the happiness strategist. Um, But before we get into that, I want to talk about how you got, like, how did you get there? What's your story? How did you get to this point? My story is wild and crazy. So I'm going to give you the, the
1: very condensed version of it. So basically yeah. I grew up in the best country in the world, which is New Zealand. And <laughs> it is a beautiful-
0: I would argue differently, but okay. It's
1: a beautiful place. And, yep. but you know, for all the wonderful things we know about New Zealand, there's also some shadow sides as there is to everything. And one of the shadow sides of New Zealand is, is it has one of the highest rates of child abuse. And unfortunately yeah. I'm one of those statistics. So I grew up in a, in a very difficult situation where lots of difficult things happened. And I think that probably by the age of about, you know, my early teens, I was probably depressed. I think that would be fair enough to say. And so at the age of 19, I ended up in hospital having tried to take an overdose. And it really got me thinking seriously about what I could handle in my life. And why was it that some people seem to kind of cruise their way through life and be, you know, find it kind of easy. And why was it that I found it so incredibly difficult? So yeah. I then went on a mission. I traveled all over the world. I have lived out of a bag for 13 years. I've done all sorts of things, the craziest stuff. And was there was it, there
0: something that triggered that for you that that started that? Did you have a moment, or was it just kind of built up?
1: No, it was that moment where I lay in the hospital and just went, "Yeah, is is this what my life is going to be like? Yeah. You know?" And I was like, it, it, "This doesn't seem fair." And is it possible for me to be able to to shift this? And so that was yeah. my mission to see: Can I shift my happiness levels? Is that actually possible? And you know, of course eventually understood that I was able to um, by going on this journey really into myself to put myself in all sorts of situations. I rode a motorbike through India for four years. I've traveled to some of the most remote parts of the world. I've sat a couple of times for two weeks in a room by myself meditating with no distractions. I've done all sorts of stuff and it's been yeah, a powerful journey. And now everything that I've learned and understood is what I now teach and have, yeah, we have students all over the world and see, you know, incredible results with the work. And literally all I'm doing is, is sharing back what it is that I discovered.
0: So let's, let's dig into that a little bit, because obviously there's been some big discoveries for you here I'm, I'm really passionate about this space because my best friend took his own life five years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for him, you know, it kind of like you mentioned, so many people are out there that are kind of suffering in silence. They might, they might seem relatively okay on the outside, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going in in there on in their inner world that, that they need help with and and they don't know if it's even possible, right? I think a lot of people think if you're, if you're in that space, you're, that's just who you are almost, mm-hmm. it's an identification, so what, you know, what are some of the big things that you learned that can really help these people? You know, I
1: think one of the most painful things is this is not what we're taught. Imagine yeah. if when we were young, we were actually led to understand one of the biggest lies that we're fed. And the big lie that we're fed that makes, you know, the world economically go round is that you're not enough. And you need all of these things to be enough to be happy. And it's wow. such a painful lie that we're told because we are sold it on TV shows. We sold it in the endless advertising that we're subjected to consistently. And there's no way a, a normal average, even above average human being cannot be affected by, you know, what we're surrounded by. It's almost like saying, I'm going to put a sponge into a bowl of blue water and expect the sponge not to come out yeah. blue. Of not you not to have
0: an effect. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Of course you are. So I think this is one of the biggest things that we're led to believe is that happiness and suffering come from outside of ourselves. So we're consistently yeah. thinking if I meet this perfect person or if I get a raise or if I buy this car or if I buy this house I'm going to be happier because that is what the world tells me. The world says to me, get a education.
0: That's what we see on Instagram. That person looks really happy next to that home and with that husband or wife next to that car or on that trip.
1: And trust me, they're not, you know. One of the most shocking concerts I ever went to was I went to see Lady Gaga in Las Vegas. It was incredible. But one of the things that struck me was she spoke openly about how much she struggles mentally. And I thought, gosh, here's a woman with pretty much everything that we're led to believe will make us happy. Wealth, power, fame, uh, beautiful, talented. What more could you want? And yet incredibly, incredibly dissatisfied and unhappy. So we learn from that when we see so many people who have all of the things that we're led to believe are going to be incredible. We actually learn there's a big facade that's put out. We have to understand that a lot of people on Instagram are getting paid to look happy with whatever products they've got. That's what an influencer is. They're just the marketing pimp. It's a really important thing for you to understand. And so we have to then ask ourselves, so if happiness doesn't come from all these things. Where does it come from? You know, one of the things I think about is, you know, I wake up in the morning, one of the first things I do is take a shower. And I like my space to be really clean and tidy. And I love my rooms to be clean and tidy. And, you know, I like to eat clean food. But the truth is, is that I don't live in my clean clothes or my food or my office or my bedroom. The place that I live in is in my mind. We spend a lot of time putting a lot of energy into the external world. But when was the last time that you cleaned out your mind? I don't know. I love that. But that's where a lot of the stuff is sitting. So the big lie that we're told is that suffering and happiness come from outside of ourselves. But the great great thing to understand because it's totally freeing is that happiness and suffering actually come from within ourselves from within our mind the mind is the so, principle
0: so to to that because i obviously i love this idea and i think you uh, we were t- kind of talking about the the pandemic and covid before we actually started recording And personally, I believe, I believe that, you know, the silver lining in all of this is it's almost been a forced meditation for a lot of people. It's kind of forced a lot of people to go internal and, and sit with ourselves and clean up a little bit around everything. But one of the, you know, one of the questions that I have for you is for, for people, you know, when they hear the idea of, you know, happiness comes from within, but they're struggling to, to find that happiness within that can almost be. You know its own negative cycle it takes you down how do you how do you pull yourself out of that yeah you're absolutely right like
1: it's it's almost like um you know the 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 greyhound chasing the rabbit they can almost get it they can see what the answer is but how do you actually achieve it so one of the biggest things that i teach is that happiness is a habit so Mm -hmm. if 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 i'm looking at somebody who's suffering from stress anxiety and depression one of the first things I'm looking at are what are their habitual behaviors? What are their habitual behaviors around a whole bunch of things around working with their mind, around technology, around their interpersonal relationships, around how much do they focus on themselves? And that can be a double-edged sword. Some people focus too much on themselves. Some people don't focus enough on themselves. And we look at a bunch of things that we start to shift our habits around. And so I teach this course called The Happiness Baseline where we literally, we test people at the beginning with the Penn State University Happiness Inventory, which is kind of the standard of testing people's happiness levels. We test them at the beginning, we test them at the end. We've put thousands and thousands and thousands of people through this course. We have a 100% success rate in shifting the happiness levels of every single person through changing Small habitual behaviors. We have a we have a tendency to think that everything is about intensity, that, well, you know, if I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to be happy, or I have to do something big to do it. But actually, the most powerful thing that we can do is make small incremental changes consistently and if we know each,
0: exactly, each one gets a little bit easier as absolutely. you start going down that path and if yeah. we
1: know what those small incremental behaviors are that we need to shift and change that will lead us to being happy we start to see it's not as difficult as we think okay yeah. and and when we look at some of those things and we start to work with them relatively quickly people start to see a shift and they do build on each other. Like if I can start to raise your happiness levels in the first couple of weeks a little bit, your confidence raises and suddenly it starts to slowly snowball by the time I've got you to the end of the eight weeks.
0: So question for you, you because it literally takes me back to exactly what you were talking about, the sponge. If you put a sponge in a you know, a tub of, of you know, do blue dyed water, it's going to turn blue. Same idea. If you take that same sponge and you start to submerge it in, you know, some positive red dyed water or something, it's it's going to start to turn the other color. Um, what's maybe like one thing that, if you know, everybody listening to this right now, if they could just do that one thing, it would actually just help them take that first step.
1: Absolutely. The first thing I would say, Xander, is, you know, there's that saying, we are what we eat, but I also say, we are what we think. And mm-hmm. so be very, 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 very mindful about what you consume. So be very oh, wow. thoughtful. If I, if I watch this film or this TV show, how do I feel at the end of it? Does it leave me feeling uplifted or does it leave me feeling anxious? If I read this particular newspaper article, how does it leave me feeling? If I'm on social media for half an hour, how do I feel at the end of it? Yeah. Because I think that we are living in a society right now where there's a whole bunch of unhealthy things that are normalized. And I'm not saying that we have to give up technology, but we have to understand that technology yeah. and a lot of the things aren't there to help us. They're there, they're completely designed to get us to buy things.
0: So we have so, to, to, to understand hook you in where and we spend are. more time to buy things to to, yeah, I, I love that because I think you know it's it's funny. Maddie and I have this conversation all the time um, because we're we're very big on on what we allow into our world for this exact reason. Because I'll find myself, you know, if I if I start to watch some you know series that's a little bit dark, I'll find myself feeling dark, and you know, I'll get I'll get three episodes in, I'm like, I don't like this feeling. Like I can't watch this anymore. Um, it might be great. It might be, you know, really, really intellectual and really, really deep. But if it's affecting my mood, my joy, how it affects me on a day to day basis, I got to be aware of that. So it's funny because Maddie, Maddie literally just said, like, anytime we watch anything in the evening, we're, we're basically not allowed to watch anything but Disney movies. <laughs> I love it. I love that. for this, this exact reason.
1: <laughs> yeah, It's really important because then you go and sleep on it and then you wake up in the morning, and you don't feel so good. But Xander, the thing is, is we do this unconsciously all the time because we're in an environment with the blue dye. And the blue dye says to us, everybody else is doing it. It must be okay." okay. And that's where, you know, trying to go against the tide can be hard. So as well as being really thoughtful about what you consume, to also be thoughtful about the people you surround yourself with and really try and surround yourself with people who are mentally well and healthy and are thinking about these things too, you know, try and find a community. My community is really important to each other because there's almost a relief that they've found other Mm -hmm. people who are wanting to look at the world in a similar way. Because if you're around a bunch of people who are looking at the world in a similar way, then it that becomes the normality. But we're brainwashed into a normality that's really unhealthy and which is why we're suffering literally now a pandemic of mental health a mental health crisis yeah. that is like nothing you know the world health organization before covid said that depression was going to be the biggest uh health problem by 2030 surpassing obesity and i'm pretty sure that they
0: will have hit those numbers already. Thanks, I think thanks to COVID, those numbers are already there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So even though you will say, yes, there has been some silver linings and people have taken stock, yeah. really so much of the things that we need, like the the interactions, the physical interactions, the seeing each other, mm. and people getting lost down in their screens and their computers have added to it. I think people are... I'm hearing people saying I'm struggling, I'm hearing people say I'm having the hardest time ever in my marriage or my partnership. Like yeah. th- there's a there there really is the wave happening now of people beginning to admit this has been really hard and of course a lot of them will have found ways to maybe deal with or cope a little better but i think in general it's been a really really big time for people's mental health
0: so that's why and i think a lot, it, a lot of it is a a lot of it is a cover up right a lot of it you you mentioned coping with it but it's not necessarily solving it um you you mentioned surra- the people your community that you surround yourself with and you know when I think of that, this is this is a piece of advice that I give to you know pretty much everybody we work with is you know, be conscious of the people you surround yourself with because you know if you spend time with five smokers, you're gonna become the sixth. If you spend time with five people who are pissed off and blame and complain and in jobs that they hate, you're you're gonna be the sixth. But um you know the the uh, argument that I hear back, and I'd love to hear your your thoughts on this. um, the argument I hear back is, you know, but Xander, you know those are that's my best friend. Or, you know, this is my family. Like, I can't get rid of my family. Like, I can't just sure. disown them. What would, what would your, what would your yeah, stance on that be? Of course,
1: it's your family and it's your best friend. So you have to start changing the conversations. You have to start to decide, am I actually going to partake in that particular conversation? In that particular You can
0: make place? that choice. You can decide whether yeah. or not you want to be the counterpart in that conversation.
1: Yeah, because there's a lot of tribal sort of bonding that happens from complaining. But- We don't need that right now. We actually need people who are seeing the whole picture. It's real. I I really feel at the moment, Xander, that we're living in a victim-filled society where I consistently see people saying, this happened to me, that happened to me, and everybody's a victim, and it's so freaking boring. Like I want to see the people (laughs) who are standing up and saying, you know, there's always a light and shadow to everything. If you keep your eye focused on the light, and that's not – bypassing it with positivity it's being realistic and saying, there are two sides to the story. Why do we always focus on the negative side? Why can't I also see what the positive is? And where you decide to train your focus is what you're going to get more of. So if you're training your focus on negativity, you're going to get more negativity. If you're training your focus on a more loving, kind, compassionate way of being in the world, if that's how you show up, you'll start to attract more people like that and you'll start to create an environment for yourself that actually is facilitating that. So you're not a victim. You're actually the master of your own life. And if you want an environment that's more positive, start being it and then you'll start to get it coming back to you because the world only mirrors back what we believe about it
0: so it is, is it as simple is it as simple as just you know when we have negative thoughts think something different or is there is no, there a way that we can kind of it's yeah.
1: it's really learning to work with your mind so it's yeah. it's very easy to by the
0: way this is, this is definitely the shit that we're not talking about in college right yeah, I, in, exactly. in my book well in my book i mention to people it's like you were you were given a a uh, a user's manual for like everything. You, you were given a user's manual for the remote for your TV, for your new microwave oven, for your laptop, but were you ever given a, a user's manual for your thoughts and your emotions and your brain? Absolutely. It, no, none of us were. Listen,
1: one of the most important things that you can do is learn meditation. And I want to yeah. say to you, learn meditation properly. Don't learn meditation from someone who's just picked it up two weeks ago at some event and is teaching you or is teaching you creative visualization. The practice of meditation is that your thoughts go off and you bring your focus back to the present moment. They go off, you bring your focus back to the present moment. That is the practice of meditation. And it's a really important thing to learn. What you need to learn is if a negative thought comes up, you don't push it away you also don't chase after it. If you can learn that with your thoughts to not attach and not push away, that is what the art of meditation teaches you. Your whole life opens up. I call it my superpower. You know, it is just one of the most powerful skills I've ever learned in my life. I've been meditating for over 25 years. I would say that alone has completely transformed my life. It is extraordinary, but there's
0: a lot of misunderstanding about what it is. Yeah. uh, Let's talk about that for a second. Cause I'm a, I'm a big meditation practitioner fan, however you want to call it. I've been meditating for about six years now. Personally, I don't, at at this point I don't understand how people get through life without meditating. It it amazes me. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people that, you know, when they're trying to get into meditation, they they think they're failing at it. They, like you mentioned, they, you know, it might be too hard or they don't get a right teacher. For somebody who's looking to get into meditation, what would, what would you suggest as kind of the first steps?
1: I think to find a program that you enjoy, that you want to come back to. I think it's really important. Yeah. You have would, to have... Would like-
0: their calm app be good enough or do you think they should go to uh, like a, a real meditation you to be,
1: yeah you need to yeah to be honest I don't I, I'm not sure how calm does it calm might be the perfect app it all depends on the person but I would be yeah. more inclined to go for a program that takes you methodically through a journey of learning yeah because you have to learn it. You know, the, we kind of live in a world now where people are sort of like, yeah, I do a bit of meditation. And I'm suddenly teaching it. But meditation <laughs> is so much depth to understanding what, you know, all the different scenarios that can come up for you. So I just say, really learn from a qualified teacher, someone who's been doing it for a long time and who's good. Make sure you like the sound of their voice. It's really important. You know, there there is
0: with you for a while. What was that? <laughs> Because you're going to be sitting with it for a while.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we have a program that I teach called the 10-Minute Mind. And my thing, my philosophy is this. If I can teach you in 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to manage it. My program's used in over 70 colleges and universities around the world. They give it to their students. And we designed it for that age group that has the lowest, you know, ability to stay focused, really. And so and we have thousands and thousands and thousands of students use it, and it's wonderful. And the design is, if I can teach you and be effective with you in 10 minutes a day, it's going to start having an effect on you. So you don't fall into the trap of thinking, I have to learn for half an hour a day or an hour a day. When you start, you want to be learning to the point where you are like, oh, I wish I would keep going, and then you stop, okay? Because otherwise, it's so easy for people to get really excited, do it for a few days, and then stop. You just do it incrementally. Try it for 30 days. Try my program. Try a program that you like for 30 days. Do it every day for 30 days and see how you go. If there's a shift in you, then you know. This is one of the keys. But one of the biggest problems that people have, Xander, is they think that, if I'm learning to meditate, people often say to me, I can't meditate because I can't clear my mind of thoughts.
0: Yeah, I hear that is, all the time.
1: If someone is trying to teach you meditation and saying, you have to clear your mind of all thoughts, pack your bags and run. That is not what meditation is, okay? Meditation is much more like this. You think about the, the ocean, right? The ocean has waves. We don't try and get rid of the waves in the ocean. The waves are a natural part of the ocean. Our thoughts are as natural a part of our mind as the waves are in the ocean. So the waves in the ocean rise up and then they dissolve back into the ocean. That's what you learn to do with your thoughts. They arise. You're sitting there. A thought comes. You learn in meditation to let it be. And that thought dissolves back into your mind if you just let it. The problem starts for us when we become attached to our thoughts. So we don't push them away because that's attachment. We don't grasp onto them and follow them down the rabbit hole because that's attachment. The practice of meditation is learning to literally just let your thoughts be so they gently rise up, they naturally rise back down again, and they disappear just like just like they appeared. They're not real. They're as real as the clouds in the sky. So we just allow them to be and then they dissolve. And if we can learn I, I to do this so in a meditation practice, we start this starts to seep out into the way that we're relating in the rest of our lives. That's why it's so powerful.
0: So when you're when you're doing this with people, what are what are some of the things just because I want everybody like if if I lived in an ideal world, everybody in the world would meditate because in my <laughs> mind if everybody in the world meditated, we probably wouldn't have I don't know, 98% of the problems we have, right? Um, when you're doing this with, <coughs> with people, what are some of the things that they start to see in their life as they start to learn meditation practice? They start to learn uh, unattachment from their thoughts, from their emotions, from the rest of the things going on in their inner world. What are some of the ways that this then affects people in their lives? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. First of all, usually the first thing is that someone notices a change in them. That's usually yeah. the first sign. Someone, Someone else the change. Yes, a friend or a family member or something says, "Hey, what's going on? Like something's different about you." So that's the first yeah. thing. They start showing up in their relationships differently. They're less reactive. They start to feel more open. Often in their relationships at work, they're calmer. They feel kinder, not only to other people but to themselves. And their stress and anxiety levels start to come down. My God, we all need that, don't we? And, and yeah. these feelings of overwhelm that my students say constantly, you know, so I hear overwhelm, 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 start to come down. Because one of the big things, Xander, is that in our everyday life, we're living in one of three different places, the past, the present, or the future. If we think about it like this, the past is just a memory and a very distorted memory from our perspective. So it doesn't actually exist anymore. And the future is also just an imagining. We're just imagining what we think is going to happen and 99.9% of the time we're wrong. The only moment that's true is the present moment. So when we start to learn to bring ourselves repeatedly into the present moment, what we start to see is that our stress and anxiety start to dissolve because our mind isn't dancing off into thoughts of the past which is an imaginary place, or the imaginary place of the future, and we're here in the present. So everything starts to relax. And I don't know, one of my biggest fears was if I learn meditation, will life become boring? I think that was my biggest fear. Absolutely the exact opposite. Like my life is wilder and more vibrant than ever. So don't ever be
0: afraid that you become
1: a boring meditator. Not, not if you're I, anything like me, you won't. I think,
0: like, actually, I think that's actually a really valid point. Cause I've heard, um, I actually, it's funny. I thought this when I, when I first started meditating and I was building my business and I've heard it from several other entrepreneurs um, you know, that like, you know, I have, I, I've always felt this, this drive to go make amazing things happen. And I was worried that when I started meditating that drive, I, you know, I, I quote unquote, calm down and that drive would disappear. And I, I wouldn't have that, that, you know, part of me anymore. And I, it was literally almost like a fear of losing myself. And I've heard this from other entrepreneurs. And what I found is as I've, you know, gotten really deep and deeper into my meditation practice, not only has that drive not disappeared, it's actually gotten stronger because I have less of the crap just like, you know, clinging on. And, and so it's it's just, it's who I truly am. And I'm a lot more playful and a lot more fun about it as I'm actually doing it. Um, so I think that's a really good point. And I'm glad that you brought it up because I see a lot of people like, oh, I, I might lose myself. I don't want to, I don't want to lose that part of me. And the truth is you just become more of yourself, right? Yeah, you find yourself rather than lose yourself.
1: And you kind of, let it go of a lot of the baggage that holds holds you down. So that's yeah. something also, you know, there, there's a reason why so many successful people meditate. And trust me, you know, if we looked and saw, oh, there's a whole bunch of people that meditate and they're not successful, we might have a question to ask. <laughs> but when we look and yeah. see more and more of the most successful people in the world are meditating, we go, okay, there might be something in this.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, this has been absolutely amazing. I think you know you and I could probably chat for hours on this sort of stuff. Uh, but Monique, this has been great. Uh, the last question that I want to ask you, I I want to make sure. Obviously, I'm a big meditation proponent. I'm big on on everybody, you know, being happier in life. Where can people learn more about you? the 10 minute mind, your, your eight week program. I want to make sure that more people are living happier lives. Uh,
1: thank you, Xander. I appreciate it. Look, if you feel, if you feel like I might have something to offer you and you want to get your butt kicked by me, then come and <laughs> find me at my website is com. But I want to do something special for, you know, for your community, Xander and with the happiness baseline, I do things a little bit differently My biggest focus is to get people to the end of the course. And there is, in most, the the stats are really shocking. Most online courses only have a 3% completion rate. So what we do, instead of asking someone to pay a fee to do the happiness baseline, which is such a powerful course, we get them to put an accountability bond down. And if as Mm. long as you complete the course within 10 weeks, it's an eight-week course, complete it, you write to us, we check you completed it, write us an email and say, I want my accountability bond back. No questions asked, you get it back. And that's why we have a 92% completion rate on that course. And we see such phenomenal results from people with it. So what I want to do is if you want to come in and do the happiness baseline, when you get to the checkout page, if you put the code Xander in, then we'll give you a 50% discount on that accountability bond to make it even easier for you to come. So come hang out, try it. In that course, I teach you to meditate. I teach you these habits that have turned the lives around of thousands and thousands of people. So if there, there's literally nothing to
0: lose. Yeah. I love it. And where can people check out that course?
1: Yeah. If you just come to MoniqueRoads.com, it's Perfect. all, yeah, it's in there. You'll find it under courses.
0: And and for everybody who's in America, uh, that was Xander, Z-A-N-D-E-R, Z-A-N-D-E-R uh, In case you were wondering, just to just to be clear.
1: <laughs> oh God, is my accent that strong?
0: <laughs> no, no, but i I have a lot of I have a lot of friends that have trouble understanding Maddie and her Aussie accent, so I always <laughs> got to clarify for people. Um, I know, but thank but you, Most...
1: Australians are always <laughs> difficult to understand on the best of days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> valid point. Valid point. Um, thanks so much, Monique, for coming on. I'm really excited for everybody. You guys make sure make sure that you go to Monique's website, check it out. Uh, just like she said, use the code Xander to to get half off on that uh, on that accountability. Um, uh, what did you refer to? Accountability deposit. Accountability bond accountability bond. There we go. So get half off on that accountability bond. Uh, you know, in the end you complete the course and you're going to be a better person and you get your money back. So, uh, I want everybody to go there. Who's listening to this right now, Monique, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Zanda.